Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the Gun, episode 147 of your new favorite WVU football podcast. I am Wesley Euler, and I've got the best teammates in the business. we got the signal caller, Jed Drenning, with us. Oh, and he's got some duties he's got going on right now. He might hop in here before we get out of here. We'll see. Uh, but I hope my microphone sounds okay, my broadcast sounds okay, because if you are watching uh, this in YouTube, and on YouTube in video fashion, uh, you will see that I am live on location in Indianapolis in my hotel room. And yes, if you are looking uh, over my shoulder, that is Lucas Oil Stadium, home of the Indiana, or uh, yes, the Indianapolis Colts, right behind us. That's where our guy Zach Frazier will be working out on Sunday and on Monday now, as well too. Uh, so hopefully everything goes all right here in terms of my uh, quality of broadcasting and internet and all those different things. Uh, we will get to some combine stuff and and uh, and some indie happenings, but of course. We all know this episode of Bet Online brought to you in part by our friends. Or this episode of Bet Online, <laughs> this episode of ITG. Pardon me. You could tell I've been doing. I've been doing a lot of radio this week, Jed, and I missed ITG last week, so I got to sharpen my sword here. Uh, brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, Signal caller, how we doing, partner? For our friends on YouTube, sorry for those listening on audio. We have to do this. Wes showed me before okay. we started taping. This is an old camera That's trick. Wes walk us through it, and then let's take a look on YouTube. So, and a shout out to my old broadcast journalism professor, Gina Dahlia at WVU, who's still there. She'd be very proud of me of this. You're never supposed to shoot video into Windows because when you have your subjects in focus, it gets overexposed. It almost looks like a bad white balance and you can see it happening here right now. So if you're watching on YouTube or if you normally listen on audio, just hop on YouTube real quick and check this out, this portion of it. Look when I'm in the shot. Look how good the stadium looks when I move out of the way versus how overexposed it looks when I'm not. Okay, here we go. That's like a magic trick. It's like, first of all, for those listening and not watching, the stadium is literally through the window right over Wes's shoulder outside his hotel room. He looks like he's a couple hundred yards from there. And every time he bends over, the picture just crystallizes and becomes so clear and beautiful. And, and the sky's blue and it's no longer this filmy white. But... What a trick. And and only a WVU professor could teach such a thing, right? That's the shout kind out, of education. Shout out, Gina Dahlia, shout out Gina Dahlia, baby. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, but yes, so 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 let's get right into it. Um, a a piece of breaking news here off the top, Jed. You know, we've spent the last like couple months ever really since the season ended talking about how can't wait for the combine. Wes is gonna get to talk to Zach, all this cool stuff. And I get out here this week and I find out that Zach doesn't speak until Saturday and doesn't work out until Sunday. And I'm leaving Friday. <laughs> so <laughs> we got here oh, Monday for work. The Steelers booked me Monday through Friday to be here for my job this week. And I'm scheduled to leave at two o'clock on Friday. So unfortunately to Zach and to, and to Ray, his father, who I said, you know, I'll be there at the podium. I'll toss you some softballs. I'll ask you about Fairmont and some of those things. 
I'm not going to be there. So apologies to Zach. See, you I'm bummed I'm missing it. Apologies to our listeners. <laughs> you said breaking news. All us Steeler fans thought you were going to come on here and say breaking news. The Steelers yes, have announced if Zach Frazier is on the board in the second round. Okay. <laughs> I wish. I hope. Right. Oh, I hope. Hey, did you see? Did you see? Speaking of Zach. I saw, of course, there's a million mock drafts out there, but this was one of the more respectable outlets. I'm trying to remember which one, but somebody had him going in the late first round of the Lions. Yeah. Did you see that? Uh, Bucky Brooks or, or Daniel Jeremiah? It was somebody, one of the, yeah, it was one of the NFL.com yeah. guys. Like it wasn't some I like blog.com. I like the yeah. chatter. Yeah, me as yeah. well, too. And I, Jed, I'll tell you this. Um, on every big, not, I mean, I shouldn't say every, but consensus on most big boards before the combine started about a week or two ago was that Zach was somewhere between the 36th and 45th best player in the draft. That was about where he was on. If you went to ESPN, if you went to PFF, if you went to the athletic, if you went to NFL network, any of these things, he was about 36 to 45. That of course doesn't mean square peg, square holes, 36 through 45th pick. hundred percent. I mean, that could be higher, Absolutely. lower, but go ahead. Yeah. Sometimes they have quarterbacks on their big boards in the twenties and thirties as the a true yeah. best players. Yeah. And they end up going in the top five, top 10. Yeah. So, um, but throughout this week already, I've seen him moving up. He is now in the 30 to 35 range on most of those big boards. And he hasn't gotten here and really spoken to well, actually, you know what? He's probably in town doing the first of that right now. He should be arriving today. Uh, he's, he's, he's either isn't here yet or has barely been here. And it's February 29th. Happy leap year to everybody, by the way, too. We don't get to say that very often uh, as we record this Jed and uh, leap in a 40 year. Yeah. So, so wait till he meets with all these teams on Friday, wait till he speaks and goes to the podium and does all his obligations on Saturday. And then wait till he kind of, does what he's going to do in terms of us really seeing him do some workout things that he still wasn't cleared yet to do at the senior bowl. I, I listen, it's tough. It's tough to be a first round pick as a center, just point blank pure. I mean, look at a guy like Creed Humphrey still, who didn't even go to the fifties. You know what I mean? And you've got another really solid prospect in Jackson powers, Johnson, the center out of Oregon, but I think it's certainly a possibility. I wouldn't have said that before I got here this week, but I think it's certainly, it certainly could happen. He could end up going in the first round there. Yeah, there, there's some high He's cotton something. at that position in this draft. The kid from Duke, really talented, a lot Very of high yeah. high end potential there. But uh, yeah, that, that's just it. But we, a friend of the show, Drew Fabianich, Drew talked about the fact that look, once these staffs have an opportunity to get him in a room, get to know him, and just as importantly, get him on a grease board and understand the football intellect that he wields, that is when you'll really see Zach Frazier shine uh, because he's going to separate himself. Once you get to understand what kind of person he is, once you get to understand what makes him tick, but also when you start to appreciate and understand his football IQ, that is where you're going to start to have some O-line coaches. Yes. We yes. always go back to the proverbial pounding their fist on the desk. Well, there'll be some desks getting pounded once uh, Zach Frazier's done with his work here in the coming weeks. No doubt. No doubt. I'm hoping I've got some, let's call them interns. Uh, of in the gun that I'm going to have boots on the ground here in Indy this weekend. So I'm hoping we can still get some audio and some, and some stuff that we can use on the podcast for Zach, but yeah, apologies after, um, you know, kind of telling everybody that I was going to be there and be able to talk to him. And then, uh, <laughs> and then now I've got to leave town on Friday. <laughs> but we did have him on the show. But we did. And for yes. those of you who have been hiding under a rock for the last month, uh, the reception has been incredible. For the first time publicly, Zach actually told the story, his perspective of the injury he suffered that ended his career 
in the regular season finale at Baylor. It was jarring. It was stirring. It was emotionally charged. It was everything you thought it'd be and more. We all sat in silence. I told his dad, Ray, first of all, it's tough to get Zach to talk. He's just a very reserved personality, a very reserved type kid. He always has been. Uh, that might be, I went back and listened when I was listening to the show the first time through the next day, Wes. When we asked Zach that question, when we set the stage, set the scenario, all right, here's the situation. Final drive at Baylor, yada, yada, yada. First play of the drive, tunnel screen to Huddy. Walk us through from there what happened. Zach talked for seven straight minutes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe for the first time in his life. Literally, maybe for the first time in Zach Frazier's life, he talked for seven straight minutes. And we were hanging on every, not just every word, but every syllable. Uh, so what he shared was incredible. If you haven't watched that episode, I implore you, double back and do so. Uh, it's, it's everything that a Mountaineer fan would, would, it, it's, it's what we live on. I mean, it's, it's, you want to infuse it into your veins, just go, you know, it was terrific. It's a good shout by you. And we'll close down this, uh, this Zach Frazier combine start of the show by saying two things. One, the national people that I have talked to this week. I mean, we've been pretty fortunate. We've had Greg Cosell on the show, Daniel Jeremiah on the show, Cynthia Freeland on the show, some huge draft experts on those sides of the things. If you're into that world, uh, guys like Trevor Sycama on the show, every single person I've talked to here from a national perspective this week, when they find out, and a lot of them know me already, but when they, or if they find out I'm a WVU guy, bang, Zach Frazier. Oh my goodness. How about the end of that game against Baylor and want to talk to me about that. So that's something everybody knows and is aware of. And the second thing, and you'll get a kick out of this, my favorite draft Nick, Jed, okay? So I'm talking the guys that just make their living on the draft is Dane Brugler. He is the lead NFL draft guy for The Athletic. Yep, yep, yep. He puts out a publication every year that's 400 pages called The Beast where he talks to every prospect. He talks to every prospect's ninth grade social studies teacher to figure out what makes that. It's, he is so thorough. You can ask him about anybody in this draft, anybody at the combine or that didn't get invited and he could talk to you for a half an hour about them. He's just incredible. Last year when he was done with us, I said to him, I said, hey, next year when we're here with you, you know, when we do our yearly chat here on Radio Row, we're going to be talking about Zach Frazier. And so this year, you know, it was like, hey, we're going to be talking about Zach. I said to him when he left this year, I said, Dane, when we're here on Radio Row next year, we're going to be talking about Wyatt. All right? So I told you last okay. year with Zach, I called my shot Wyatt there. Marlin, right? I'll, yep. I'll follow up with you in about 365-ish days, 366 maybe because it's a leap year, um, about about Wyatt Perfect. as well too. So been a lot of fun here. And uh, all the best to Zach as, as he gets into action here this weekend. Like I said, he will be doing uh, media and interview stuff on Saturday his uh, on-field workouts on Sunday, bench press on Monday. I don't know entirely what he's going to do and not do, obviously, but all the best to Zach as, as he gets going this weekend. Um, Jed, another thank you here to our friends at Toothman Ford. We all know cars cost less in Grafton. Big shout out to JR. They do huge stuff for our athletes and NIL. Make sure you're supporting those who support the Mountaineers. Big thank you to Toothman Ford for being a part of this podcast since about its inception, if we're being honest. Uh, Jed, yeah. some moving and shaking as it relates to the WVU coaching staff and a name who is familiar to WVU fans. Uh, actually, two of these names that we're going to talk about are very familiar to WVU fans. The first, though, maybe not as much. New defensive analyst for the Mountaineers. Uh, tell us everything we need to know about Trey Bell. 
Yeah, Trey Bell, I'll tell you what, uh, for a guy his age, pretty decorated coach. Uh, he's going to be brought in to coach as an analyst, not on field, but as an analyst, work with the corners, work on the defensive side of the football. Uh, most recently, the last couple of years, he was the on-field cornerbacks coach for uh, Akron and produced some uh, some outstanding talent up there. And and before that, he was on staff at FSU as a grad assistant. He's bounced around and he's starting to make a name for himself at a very young age and starting to, to help develop some talent uh, in his position group. So I think he's going to bring a lot of value from an analyst standpoint uh, to that side of the football for Jordan Leslie and his staff. Uh, I think it's a tremendous addition. I think Trey Bell uh, has a bright future. And I like the fact that his next step uh, heading toward that future is at West Virginia on Neil Brown's staff. Completely agree. These like these type of hires get me excited. Um, the, you know, the guy that seems like he's on that upward trajectory in his career, maybe not a name that we're all familiar with and know a ton about. These are the kind of hires that, you know, when you're WV, when you're not Alabama or Ohio State, right? These are the type of hires that you make. These are the type of hires that if you hit them and, and, and nail this hire, they really elevate your program to the next point. And it's one of the things I always laugh about, Jed. People always, you know, when you, sometimes when you hire younger up-and-comers, some fans will think, oh, all right, well, if they're really successful, they're just going to end up leaving us in a couple years. If that's the case, that means they really did a dang good job. So, right. you know, let's t let's hope let's hope that five years from now, Trey is taking some massive job somewhere. <laughs> you only do that when you leave a productive trail of breadcrumbs. That's right. So that's it. you're going to take that trade every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Uh, absolutely. Uh, like, he's played at a high me, level. He's coached at a high me, level. He gets big time football. Yeah, like it, it, it made it made me laugh when WVU hired Neil Brown, and, and a lot of fans were like, "If he has success, he's just going to go to Kentucky." Okay, yeah, if we lose our head coach to an SEC school, that's great. That means he probably did a really good that's job. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's that's a good problem to have, you know. And, pit, and you know what? If you're fans, in the SEC, pit fans, Jed, real quick, Pitt fans, when they hired Jeff Capel like four years ago, right? It was like, oh, well, if he does really good here, he's just going to go to Duke and replace Mike Krzyzewski one day. You realize if you lose your head coach to Duke, how good of a you might have been. You might have won a national title in there. Like you were at least flirting well, with one. something pretty pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and, and you know if, if you're in one of these leagues, if you're an upper tier Big Ten school, if you're an upper tier SEC school, and you're having tremendous success, you're worried about the NFL snatching your coach right. and gobbling right. them. So it, Look at that's Jim just Harbaugh the nature just won a national beast. championship and went to the there NFL. Yeah, that, that's that's the nature of the beast. Sometimes that's the price. These dalliances only come when you're successful. So. If Trey Bell has oh, look at this, Trey Bell's barely on campus. We're already talking about him taking yeah. a bigger job. So <laughs> that's right. let's hope it works out that way. That's that's the natural progression of things if they work as you hope. Yep, absolutely. So Trey Bell, the newer name that we'll continue to get more familiar with here as WVU fans and as we roll along on ITG. Uh, some moving and shaking for some much more familiar names. Uh, Ryan Nealon, Clint Trickett. Tell us uh, what's up with a couple a uh, couple Mountaineer legends here who come from some legendary Mountaineer families as well, too. Yeah, I, I saw the uh, the new hire as the offensive analyst, and I was wondering, it's N-E-H. How do you pronounce that name, that last name? N-E-H-L-E-N. I, I don't know if it's Nellen ne ne or Nealon. Well, you know, welcome back home, Ryan. You know, Ryan Nealon, of course, he was previously on staff a handful of years ago, uh, did a tremendous job. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I got a close-up look at some of uh, – Ryan's handiwork when he was here um, and and he had just from a scouting standpoint on down the line uh, Ryan Nealon does good work he does good work he left 
to take a full-time position as a, a full-time slot as a position coach at McNeese State. Now he's back in the role of an analyst in this new way of how the world works. That's the next natural step up for him. Uh, so I, I think it's tremendous to have Ryan Nealon back on staff. You can't get much more West Virginia than the name Nealon. Uh, but even if his last name was Johnson, I mean, Ryan Nealon does a tremendous job. Yeah, he's, he's very good at what yeah. he does. He brings great value. Uh, and then, of course, I was happy to see in the news today, you know, a very familiar name to Mountaineer fans is the new tight end wide receivers coach at Georgia Southern, Clint Trickett. Uh, I reached out to Clint and congratulated him, congratulated him. We were uh, exchanging some texts. I told him, hey, I've had my butt whipped, butt whipped a couple of times down in Statesboro. So go <laughs> get after him. So, you know, you, you got I'd look at the Trickett family. Of course, Rick's doing what he's doing with Coach Rod down at Jack State. Okay. Look at Chance out with the Rams. Yep. I mean, he's now all of a sudden becoming an acclaimed yep. scout with the Rams. He's pretty an award winning scout with the Rams. Pretty good, pretty good and then staff you got there. you got Travis down at Coastal doing big things as the OC down at Coastal. And now you got Clint back, you know, on staff at Georgia Southern. So I expect some big things out of him as well. Talented family. Uh, glad to see uh, Clint land where he did. But, uh, yeah, some moving and shaking going on too, with some names that West Virginia fans are familiar with. Without a doubt. Always good to see uh, to see some of our own out there doing good things. And so, uh, obviously, we're hoping for success uh, for Ryan Nealon and for Clint Trickett, as well as Trey Bell, as they all kind of get into their uh, their new ventures heading into this upcoming football roles. season. We can't understate them, overstate them, Wes. Big time. I mean, Huge. in the modern game, I mean, think about it. These larger blue blood programs that have resources, these are the positions that are so oftentimes being populated by former head coaches. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be able to compete, you're not going to get necessarily a former head coach like maybe Alabama is or maybe Georgia is to fill those analyst roles. So the people you do hire matter in a big way. Because they they have to confer a tremendous amount of value on your staff. No doubt. And I think that the additions that we made will do that very thing. Well said. Well said. With that said, we will go to our uh, first break here. We come back on the other side. we got some news as it relates to the auto bids uh, in the college football playoff, the upcoming expanded college football playoff. We've also got a Big 12 coach who's got himself a nice new contract that we will discuss as well. Wesley Euler, Jed Drenning, you are in the gun. Nobody supports the Blue and Gold Mountaineers like Toothman Ford. With over 20 NIL deals and counting, Toothman Ford continues to rally behind our student athletes. And it's time we rally and support the dealer that supports the Mountaineers. Not only does Toothman Ford offer the best prices in the state on pre-owned, their never-over MSRP campaign on new Fords guarantee to save you thousands. Drive with pride all season long, knowing you're supporting the dealer that fuels our Mountaineers. Toothman Ford, where cars cost less. In Grafton and at ToothmanFord.com. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyds of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations. 
with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. If you work the land, you just got to be a jack-of-all-trades type. There's just too much to do. So if you got to be a welder or a farmer or a ditch digger, that's just who you are that day. Then tomorrow, you can be somebody else. Get your Coyote at the new location of Johnston Equipment between Weston and Buckhannon. Back in the gun here as we roll along. One of us in West Virginia, one of us in Indianapolis, Indiana, here on this edition of ITG. And Jed... I got to imagine, listen, I can find a transition for everything, baby, that the college football playoff at some point will have some involvement with this stadium that's right over my shoulder right here. There'll be a national championship here. There has been before. The the Big Ten championship game is right there in that stadium every single year. That will obviously have a factor in the college football playoff. We all know this thing is going to be expanding, and with that comes the conversation of automatic bids. How many does the SEC get, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the ACC, um, the group of five schools or the non-power schools as these conversations and labels continue to evolve, right? We've got the P4 now that the Pac-12, as we know it, is is essentially no more. Uh, so where is this progressing to? Where are the latest talks? What's this looking like uh, it could shape out to be? Quick aside, and I'm going to jump right into it. I, I have to shout it, give you a shout out here, Wes, because I can tell you have a production background. Because here, I've been on location. I've done shows when I was at the beach with you and Owen. I've done shows in Charlotte. I've been at different locations. And when I do it, I'm in a hotel room, but it's like a plastic house plant behind me. And that's all I can manage to do with my camera angle. But yours is just immaculate. I mean, it's immaculate. You got Lucas Oil behind you, great view. But but yeah, in the news, in the ever-changing landscape of college football, only in college football can you have headline discussions about the possibility of a 14-team college football playoff before you even started your 12-team college football playoff, right? So first of all, we're segueing out of a four-team college football playoff, which has been in place since 2014 when the CFP replaced the BCS. This will be the first year, as we know, of a 12-team college football playoff. Skyler and I talked about that in an episode last week and broke some of that down. Well, now what's gaining momentum and discussions is the possibility of a 14-team college football playoff, which would start as early as 2026. Now, Brett McMurphy on Twitter, one of many to talk about this, Brett McMurphy has said, and this is his tweet, a 14-team model is under consideration, and it would give automatic bids as follows, three to the Big Ten, three to the SEC, two to the ACC, two to the Big 12, and one group of five team and three bids remaining to the highest-ranked at-large teams. This is what sources told him, first reported by Ross Dellinger. So let's give Ross a shout-out there. Uh, Finalized, as we said, it could start as early as 2026. Now, look, I'm not Nostradamus, but I remember saying last year, I'm like, look, I'm willing to make concessions as long as you give the Big 12 automatic access. I'll give them more access. I'll give the Big 10 and the SEC 
I'm not delusional. I'll give them more access, more auto bids. As long as you give us multiple auto bids, that's Correct. all I can ask. And some people are up in arms. How dare you seat ground at the Big Ten and the S? Are you serious? Come yeah. on. First of all, this is probably, in my estimation, going to happen and probably going to happen as early as 2026. You have 14 teams, but it's one more step towards another change that's going to happen after that. You're, you're finally going to, when the dust settles, Yes, of course, the in the catbird seat will be the Big Ten, will be the SEC. They'll have all the advantages. They'll be in the position of leverage. That's fine with me so long as the rest of us, by the rest of us, I mean the Big 12, because who knows what the, the future of the ACC holds. I mean, what's going to happen with FSU? What's going to happen with, sure. speaking of which, we're going to have a guest on later in the offseason. Uh, that's in the know at FSU. And we're going to talk about that very thing. What's FSU's future in the ACC, if there is one? Clemson, what's going to happen there? We don't know. I mean, what I've said, the fundamental difference to me between the current state of the Big 12 and the current state of the ACC is when you look at the Big 12, you're looking at the Big 12 as it will almost certainly be moving forward. Now, you're comparing that to an ACC that most likely, or at least there's the a fair million chance, yeah. won't look like this sure. moving forward. Sure. So, what I think may happen, if you see the erosion of the ACC at some point down the road, you're going to have more auto bids gobbled up by the other conferences and by other conferences. First and foremost, I mean, Big Ten SEC. So long as we retain access on a reasonable level, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with the group of five team getting in. I'm fine with all of it. So long as the Big 12 has reasonable access and under not just the 12 team model that begins this year. But even the 14-team model that's being discussed that we just talked about, both at least supply the Big 12 with reasonable access. So I'm fine with either. And as long as that is maintained moving forward, I don't care what it looks like, so long as we keep that. I love that label, Jed, and I can tell you right now I'm going to steal it moving forward as these conversations continue to arise. Reasonable access. And I think as it's laid out there, the Big Ten and the SEC get three. The big, the big 12 gets two. I think that's reasonable. That's not astronomical. I, I think that's reasonable. I think that's well stated by you. I think that's perfect. And I think most reasonable people would agree. I agree. And I'm excited to get the 12 team started. I mean, you know, to me, people are saying, well, one of the things they like about it is they like seeing Notre Dame take some arrows. And Notre Dame's not in a conference, so with the 12-team format, they won't be one of the top four teams getting the bye right. because you have to be a conference champion to be one of the top four teams getting a bye. And I'm like, are they really taking arrows? I mean, yeah, they got to play the extra game, but one of the downsides to be in the top four teams, if there is one, you don't get the home game in the opening round. Sure. I think that's the sure. coolest dimension of the whole I new playoff too. is the, the on-site on pretty, campus, home pretty lucrative, game, first pretty, lucrative me, pretty lucrative home game. That's easily the part of the new playoff format that I'm most excited about. Easily. Yeah. Now, once you get past that, you get into the bowl structure and bowl system, playing the teams that have the buys and all that. But look, I, I'm fine with the 12 team that's going to be in play this year. Uh, that's definitely a step forward uh, and toward a greater resolution than what we've seen with the 14. But if you want to have a conversation about 14, I'm fine with that too. It's just you're still within range of hitting the sweet spot without if you get to way too many teams 24 or 32 wherever the number might be i mean i could even entertain a conversation as high as 16 you could talk me into it but probably not much higher because i do believe on some level you need to maintain the integrity of the regular season sure, now if sure. you get beyond 16 teams it becomes more difficult to do that but if it's right. less than 16 
I think you don't just maintain the integrity of the regular season. You enhance it. Because one of the things Skyler and I talked about last week, with 12 teams this year, you will say more meaningful football games played in the month of November with teams jockeying for position completely, completely and agree. jockeying for a higher seed than we have seen maybe ever. So it enhances the value of November regular season football. It doesn't diminish it. Let's just make sure that part of it stays in place. And you can't go much higher than 12, 14 at most, 16, in my humble estimation. But that's where we're at. You and I are completely aligned on this. Once again, I completely agree, and I think I think that's perfectly stated. Another thank you to our friends at Fortis and our guy Rick Lewis for roof performance and financial security guaranteed. You got to visit Fortis.us.com. All right, Jed, one last topic to get us out of here as we wrap this thing up before I head to my fancy team meal tonight here in downtown Indianapolis. Uh, Lance Leipold. Pretty sizable new contract for the Kansas football head coach. We know he's done fantastically there. He's been rightfully so mentioned around some promotions, uh, bigger opportunity jobs in the coaching world. Well, uh, Kansas, uh, he's got a contract there now that's going to be uh, it's going to be hard to pry him away from Lawrence. It is. Uh, it puts him in the upper stratosphere of Big 12 coaches in the new Big 12, the 16 team, new Big 12. The thing that surprised me most, Wes, when this came out, it puts him in the ballpark of $7 million a year. Excuse me. But the thing that surprised me most, I didn't realize how much he was already making. He was, what, 5.7 in the ballpark of 5.7 a year already? Yeah, yeah. So they were already serious about making a push to retain him. Now, yes, Kansas likes to pride itself as a basketball school, but I think Kansas also sees the big picture and all the money is in football. And they recognize the, the fact that they've been selling out games at the booth for the first time since Moby Dick yeah. was a cuppy. Yeah. That's changed the entire dynamic of Kansas sports or Kansas athletics. Okay. So they see the value of Lance Leipold. They appreciate what he's done and what he can do. So what I like about this is it starts a conversation about when you start looking at the different tiers of uh, the salaries of big 12 coaches, because a lot of these are coaches that why would we be paying attention to what the head coach at Arizona or Arizona state's making in the past when they weren't part of our conference. So let's look at what we kind of know. I mean, I did some quick digging. This is wildly unofficial because some of these might've even changed in the last six or so months since I looked at this or since the articles were, were published that I saw this in starting at the top, the highest paid coach. And I would argue deservedly. So in the big 12, is no surprise Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. Now he's also the longest tenured head coach in the Big 12. Uh, what's interesting, he's making 7.6 million dollars a year, which puts him at number one, even in the new Big 12. So I was curious back when he was hired in 2005, how much was he hired at? What was his salary? It's 7.6 million right now. So he I was guess, hired I guess, in January. I guess, of I guess a little over a million dollars. Like what? Okay. One well, point, one point two, one point three million dollars. I good guess. I shot a text to the one person that I knew would immediately know, and that's of course the iconic and legendary Barry Trammell. Uh, he's Angel. so well known in Big Twelve circles. He's a legend in Oklahoma, the beat writer for the Oklahoma, the Daily Oklahoman. It took Barry two minutes to text me back. Guess what? If you're listening out there, Wes says a little over a million. Guess what, guys? He was hired at in 2005, $700,000 a year. 
Ooh. and now it's 7.6 million a year. So you talk about the change in the amount of greenbacks that have made their way into college football across the landscape. Oh, no, doubt. no doubt. I mean, those are the types of numbers that really, you know, you take pause and you start to understand and assimilate. Wow, look at that. I mean, but we Jeff, talk I mean, about the numbers have grown in the last 10, 20 years, but wow, the numbers have and I, really grown. I think if you're a place that in this new era of college football, even when you're Kansas, even when you're Duke and you're North Carolina and you're Kentucky, you are you are dumb to not invest in football. You can still this admit we're where a the basketball is. school. This is where the money is, man. Like, yes, it's and it's the classic. It's the oldest cliche in the book, probably literally. But that's because it's true. You get what you pay for. You invest in football. Yeah. You're going to make money in football. I mean, it's what's the old saying? A bad football program pays for everything. A good basketball program pays for itself. It, right. Right. And think like I mean, think that's of just the nature Duke, of it. Kentucky and North Carolina have been pretty consistent for a while, but think of Duke and Kansas and how much better their programs have been, you know, lately well, than I they were historically. This class. Do you remember when the Big 12, right before West Virginia came aboard, when when you had the departure of Missouri and A&M to the SEC, the Big 12 was for a handful of months there on absolute life support. I mean, you had Oklahoma yep. and Oklahoma State looking to bail. Texas was looking to bail. Nobody knew what was going to play out. So all these teams that were left behind were fending for themselves, picking up the phones. The ADs were working the phones. Hey, will you take us? They're calling the Pac-12. They're calling the SEC. They're calling all these different leagues. Will you take us? Will you take us? Well, the school that could really get somebody to return the call was Kansas. Right. Because Kansas's football was in dire straits. And like, we don't care about basketball. There's not enough money in it. Look at your football program. It's an embarrassment, which in 2010, 2011, it absolutely was. But that just really speaks volumes as to the fundamental difference between the financing that football provides versus basketball. But looking at these salaries, let's go through the list. Again, this is unofficial. It's just what I can find. The two that aren't available because they're private schools, Sataki at BYU, Sonny Dykes at TCU. So you'd have to guess with those. But working top to bottom, Gundy, okay, leader in the clubhouse at $7.6 million. Now, Lance Leipold, by my math, this puts him at number two. At seven million, so they're very serious about what they're doing from a football standpoint in Lawrence now. Number three, do you have a guess? In the new Big Twelve, hmm. in some ways surprising, in some ways not. Hmm. It's not who well, I'd guess. When you say new Big Twelve, it makes me think it's one of the newcomers. Okay. But I've got I've got no clue who it might be. <laughs> that's that's all I got for you. Oh, Dion's yeah. number three. Duh, I should have known that. That's a big. I that's a... Whittingham. If anybody's earned it, it's Whittingham. Right? Sure, sure. Okay, so Dion's number three. Again, this is not official. It's just my math from what I could find. Chris Kleiman, four point seven five million. Number four, Kyle Whittingham at Utah. Number five, four point seven. Uh, Willie Fritz, the new hire at Houston, brand new hire at Houston, four point five million. So he's next on the list, followed by Joey McGuire at Texas Tech, four point one million. Okay, so that puts us at three, four, five, six. So Joey McGuire Tech is seventh with 4.1 million. Again, we don't know about two. Maybe they're making more, maybe they're making less. So next on the list, which would make him number, okay, I said seven, number eight. This is where it's interesting, Wes. Matt Campbell at Iowa State, four million a year. Actually, it's like four million five thousand, okay, a year. Uh, technically, it's like four million five thousand five hundred and thirty-seven. I bring that up for a reason. Neil is right behind 
Matt Campbell, $537 a year behind him. So, okay, so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That puts Neil at nine. So if we can collectively, as a podcast, come up with $538 for Neil Brown's salary, that would put him in the top half of Big if anybody, If anybody wants to right sponsor that, nine. if anybody wants to sponsor that, you know where to get at Yeah, who wants to sponsor that? We're looking for $538 to move Neil Brown from ninth to eighth, which would be the top half of the new Big 12 coaches. Okay, and then you have uh, Dillingham at Arizona State, 3.85. Dave Aranda, Baylor, 3.8. Satterfield, Cincinnati, 3.5. Brennan at Arizona, 2.7. Gus, I'll tell you what, did Gus recently get a new deal that I missed? I, I don't know. It's This list of Gus, of course, he was a group of five guy, but now he's a power five, power four guy. Gus Malzahn at UCF was 2.3 million. So hmm. out of the ones listed, Gus is by far the lowest. I would think that would have to change. But anyway, that gives you the pecking order of where things currently stand. But hats off to Lance Leipold. Yeah. Uh, Kansas serious about what they're doing. They see the value now. Bear in mind, when you have success, when you overachieve to the point where you have success, much like Kansas has in Leipold's tenure there, you're going to see it's going to be difficult to keep things together. So what have we already seen? Andy Kotelnicki, who is an incredibly talented O coordinator, who has a long history with Lance Leipold as his offensive coordinator, all the way back to their Buffalo days, all the way back to their Division Three days. What happened to him? He's now at Penn State. Right. So when we break Penn State down for the preview next year, we'll be talking a lot about what Kansas did offensively. I'm already starting up looking no, into sure some of that. I'm sure you are. I know you. I'm sure you but, are. So it's going to be difficult when you have that kind of success to keep your staff together. So I think Kansas, to their credit, is recognizing that. So not only do you see the bump in Lance Leipold, but I bet you if we investigate further, you're also going to see some salary staff salary bumps as for, for his assistant pool as well. I, I bet you anything that's part of the same deal. If I had to look, I haven't found it yet. But uh, because they want to keep the rest of that staff together, he's happy with the staff that he has. He doesn't want to lose any more key pieces. Sure. So interesting point of conversation. But, uh, yeah, that's where things are. Well, that's a good way to close it down. If you're looking and still watching on YouTube, the sun has basically set now. And so you can much clearly see it's not overexposed. Lucas Oil, the nice red sign in the background there. A very nice uh, full crescendo there for everybody to check out on YouTube. Uh, a final thank you to our new friends at Johnston Equipment. Make sure you're checking out their new location, Route 33, outside of Weston. There's one last thing we got to say. Okay. Remember the text I sent you a little bit ago in the group thread? We got to give a shout out there. To Do you remember? The oh, to Casey Vance. Team. Pull it up. Pull it up. Yeah. To the Casey mind Vance? safety team. Yes. <laughs> Where is that? It was in the group, Fred. The mine safety team at West Virginia finished number one in the country. We got to find this. Oh, okay. oh, I thought you were talking about the Casey Vance tweeting with Charles Wesley Godwin. Well, yes, yeah, Casey uh, the, gave us a shout out because w, he got a shout out. What Charles you're talking Wesley about Godwin. is the WVU mine rescue team were crowned champions of the 2024 mine emergency response competition. First place in four of the five events, beating out other colleges from the United States and Canada. My dad was a minor. My grandfather was a minor. My father-in-law was a minor. To me, that might be the coolest thing we talked about all night right there. Hats off again. Helmets off. Congratulations. That's right. That's right. Guys and gals. Yep. I love it. I love it. Uh, Big shout out to our producer, Skyler, for throwing this together for us. We'll be back with you next week with more to talk about. We'll have some stuff from Zach as well, too. So for the signal caller and the beer truck, I am... Wesley Euler reminding you to be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WVU football podcast. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. You've been.
in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.